11 Dubcast. Yay, we're back. Yay. Yay. Uh, so I'm Johnny Ginner. I'm Michael Citro. And let's talk about some Ohio State football. Let's, yes. let's discuss that. Let's discuss the, the, the footed ball that comes to Ohio State. Um, <laughs> that's, that's a good intro, all right? Yeah, sure. uh, let's go with that. So we beat Illinois. Yay. Really, yeah, like everybody thought we would. That that was that seems to be like kind of the, you know, the SOP for this season, right? Because it's like, oh, we beat the crap out of the really crappy teams, and yeah. it seems like it's, it's pretty par for the course, nothing unusual there. And then we play a team with a good defense or kind of a pulse, <laughs> and then things get a little dicey. So uh, we can talk a little bit about the Illinois game. I don't know. I mean, I don't know how much you can really gain from it because I'm sure they didn't show – you know, Illinois, anything that they would be showing, you know, a week later to Pat Narduzzi and, and company. But um, I don't know. What, what were your thoughts on the Illinois game? Well, first of all, we beat them like a red-helmeted stepchild. Um, yes. And it was it was glorious because I like winning the Illibuck. And um, the Illibuck is ours once again. And um, I think Ross Fulton had a really great breakdown in his uh, column today about the in his film study about how Ohio State went out there and broke tendencies all night to give Pat Narduzzi and Michigan State more to think about because, um, right. you know, everything was on film to this point, you know, last, going to this week, and Ohio State does a bunch of different stuff, and now you got a whole bunch of different stuff to work on. And I think that was pretty smart on their part. And I'm really kind of hoping – that the coaching staff has been holding other things back and not showing them this year so that we can for once be the team that, you know, at the end of the game, the, the other coaching staffs getting interviewed saying, Oh, we, we had no idea they were going to do that. This took us by completely surprise. You know, we've heard that out of Ohio state's coaching staff the last two years. I don't know how many times but we didn't expect that at all. The bear defense, right. who would have thought, um, right. you know, maybe we can be that team this, this weekend and, and, you know, catch them by surprise a few times. It's going to be a, it's going to be just an unbelievable game. Yeah. Well, here's my question though. Do you have faith in Tom Herman to do that? The only thing I worry about with Tom Herman, honestly, I don't worry about his game planning. I don't worry about his, um, you know, the offense he's installed or his ability to coach. What, what I sometimes think he has problems with is play calling. And, there's a fine line when, when you talk about play calling between calling the plays that you would like to see and calling a play that doesn't work. I mean, you could, it's easy to second, ju- you know, to second guess a, a play that doesn't work. But when you go back and look at it, a lot of times it's like, well, the play was there and they didn't execute. So, so they can't just like run Statue of Liberty 20 times and like be <laughs> super baller. They got to, you know, just keep it vanilla and do what works. Is that what you're saying? Uh, I, I definitely think that you, like any good coordinator, should study with. Why, why don't we just run Dave, Michael? Why don't we just do that? Well, we, 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 we did that for like 10 years. <laughs> yeah, and it was really successful. <laughs> we were really successful on defense. <laughs> uh, but, oh, we, no, but we did have some good running backs, too. Though. I actually do have a serious point with that, though. Uh, because I think it's kind of interesting that a lot of people are calling out Tom Herman for maybe like a lack of creative play calling, and I think that is justified. That is justified. I, I get that. But I also think sometimes people underestimate how successful Ohio State was offensively during the Jim Trestle era. I mean, they were averaging, you know, there were a couple years where they were averaging 35, 37 points a game, and it's not like they were doing it being super creative. They're just better. Yeah. And I, you know, it, it's just interesting to me because there are definitely two different philosophies in how to approach the offense. I mean, obvi- I mean, duh, right? Like, that's probably the most obvious statement that you could make. But 
I also think from a play call standpoint in terms of like, we got to mix it up. We got to do something. And I, I don't know that that mentality, which you see a lot in games against scrubs carries over into games against teams that are not scrubs. And I want to see it carry over because I like that. Yeah. I think that's a cool mentality. Yeah, Ram- and it Ramsey calls fine. it uh, Ram- Ramsey calls it sphincter tightening on Tom Herman's part, <laughs> right? Where he shrinks the playbook and goes with about four basic plays. Um, and that worked fine for Jim Trestle and Jim Bowman because that was their you know that was their style and whatever. It's it was stupid, but it generally worked. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think that this team is built that way. So I think they have to be like crazy goofballs all the time. I don't think they can just like turtle. You know, like I, I don't I don't think that's the path to success. I think they got to stay crazy. I think you so got to be I, yourself. I, just, I really think, and I've yeah. always thought this: you you need to do what you do. And if Ohio State's they are they're not having success with limiting themselves. They're most successful when right. they might do anything on any given play. So right. that's what you have to do in the big games too. You, if you because you, you, you're just making it easy for the other team if you keep showing them the same plays over and over. Yeah, well that's and that's exactly my point. And it, with a team like Michigan State with a really good defense, that's the problem, right? You can't not be creative. You have to be creative. You have to show them things that they haven't seen before. And if that means throwing to the tight ends, well, then by God, maybe we're going to have to invent the forward pass for the tight ends. And maybe, <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know if they've invented a rule that allows for that, but maybe we should, like, try to challenge that and see if that's possible. I like the, the seam split. route, man. I like the seam route, and I like the tight end in the seam route, and I think we need to use it. And I think yeah. I like the little bump passes. They haven't been doing that as much. I, you know, like stuff like that. I just love the goofy stuff. And when you've got athletes to make it work, and they're disciplined enough not to just screw it up, then do it. You know, like make an effort, do it. Because I, that's that's what's going to get the job done against Michigan State. Like I'm not terrified of Michigan State, and I personally don't think that Ohio State has a great chance of winning that game simply because it's away at night. They've had you know some time to prepare for this. Um, but that's gonna that's gonna shrink the gap, I think, if you give them a lot of you know unique stuff to look at. So I don't know. I mean, and, and that's what I'm really looking for for uh, coming into this game, right, is to see how creative they're going to be and how much trust they give JT Barrett to really just kind of do the things that he needs to do. I mean, and part of it is going to be predicated on how much time he has mm-hmm. in the, you know, in the backfield. But I want to see creativity. I would much rather die by, you know, like a Picasso painting than live by, like, I don't know, Whistler's mother. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> let's let's get silly. Yeah, you're you're dissing Whistler. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, it's a, it's it's a it's a classic American painting, but I'm it's it's not the most exciting thing to look at. That's all I'm saying. No. So what you need to have this weekend is you need to have Ohio State. What I want to see from this weekend is Ohio State. Did they learn anything from the Big Ten championship game? Did they did they learn anything? Because Michigan State's not going to be significantly different than they were in that game. Nah. Um, no. They might play a little bear to see if they can get away with that like Virginia Tech did, but I think by and large you're going to see whether or not Ohio State learned from that experience and what the coaching staff took away from that, knowing that they don't have Carlos Hyde this year and right. four senior offensive linemen. They're going to have to you know, work within the constraints of what they have this year, but show us what they've learned from that Big Ten championship game, which it was a winnable game, got off to a slow start. And uh, it kind of started and finished slowly, but, you know, we're probably the second, third quarter were the better team. Um, yeah. It was a winnable game, and they just didn't get it done. And 
cost us a trip to the uh, to the old national championship game. And possibly, honestly, like you know, it could have been a victory in the national championship game if you think about it. Could have been because the opponent would not have been Florida State. And yeah, I don't know. I mean, the thing that I think about is, and this goes back to last year, like it is that sphincter tightening, you know, like it's, it's really interesting because Ohio state has not had a lot of success in these really big games as of late. And that's really irritating. And I, I, again, I I just think the biggest thing that they need to do is just let it fly and not worry about losing. Like worry about just like doing, be you baby, be you like, don't, don't worry about all this other crap. Don't worry about like, trying to make sure you play the perfect game. Like, because nobody plays the perfect game. In these big games, it's really, what it comes down to is just whoever makes the biggest, craziest play a lot of the time. Like, who can break it open? And Ohio State has too many playmakers not to play like that. Are you so, telling me, Johnny Ginter, that it's not the X's and the O's, but the Jimmy's and the Joe's? It is It is most definitely the Jimmy's and the Joe's, because X's and O's in college are stupid. Like, if you, <laughs> like no, I'm serious. Like, there's, you know, it, I wish I knew more about it. And I'm not dismissing it totally, but there are so many times, I mean, Braxton Miller is the best example of this. Plays can be broken. It doesn't matter. If you've got a superior athletic talent and you've got guys who can just make things happen, it's college is a place for that to happen. That's why I enjoy watching college football because just the craziest stuff happens when you just let people be themselves. Um, the NFL is so regimented and like, you got to do this in precisely this way. College football shouldn't be like that. I don't think it is like that. And I think there's enough dudes on the team who can just be crazy, you know, abstract artists and do whatever they want. I mean, Jalen Marshall is a great example of this. Uh, Jalen Marshall, who has been given more and more responsibility within the offense, you know, as the weeks have gone on, not the fastest dude in the world, right? Not like the shiftiest or anything like that, but he just improvises and he makes stuff happen. And you want dudes like that on your offense, especially in this offense. So distribute, get it to those dudes. I mean, you know, throw it to a tight end, throw it to, you know, Curtis Samuel if he happens to be in the backfield at that point in time. Um, just, just spread it around. That's what I want to see. Especially uh, you're talking about Jalen Marshall. I, I like the, the, the heady play that he made on Saturday night against Illinois where he intentionally threw a horrible-looking pass so that Michigan State wouldn't be afraid of his passing abilities. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I mean, I was waiting for them to do that because, you know, he was a quarterback in high school. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I think I think there is a reason why he was not recruited as such. He will, he but, will throw another pass this season. Mark my word. Oh, sure. No, yeah, I, I completely agree. I don't know that it'll necessarily happen against Michigan State. Um, but, know. you know, the Wildcat will probably factor into it. I think that's definitely going to be something you will see. Um, and, you know, to to mix success, I think part of it was maybe they wanted to keep JT from getting too banged up. Um, but I think that's another weapon in the arsenal that I think they can use. I'm, I'm pretty excited for this game, and, and not just – because it's a big game, and even though I do think that Ohio State has, has got a hill to climb on this, they were talking about this uh, earlier this week, um, I think maybe yesterday or the day before, but this is a team that is now an underdog in this game, yep. Yep. right? Mm-hmm. And, like, that's a cool – that's not a cool, but it's an unusual position for Ohio State to be in, and I think a lot of times that can be a very motivating thing for a lot of people. Uh, so I'm actually really excited to see how they respond to that whole underdog, disrespected kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, it's it's something that we're not used to, but it, you saw that a lot in uh, in years past. In fact, no one gave 
Ohio State a chance to beat Miami in the national championship game in 2002. Right. Uh, I, I actually was it. I actually we... lived in South Florida, and I had to. When people asked me if Ohio State had any shot of hanging in that game, and I'd say, "Yeah, you know, I think our defense gives us a chance to hang in the game," and immediately they were calling BS on me. Oh, you're <laughs> such a homer! I can't believe you actually believe they're going to be close in this game. Uh, but, well, you know, I just. I watch their games. They have a good defense. I think they can hang in there. Will they win? I don't know, but I think they can hang in the game. And and right. I had to eat that for you know a couple months there before the game happened, and, and about a month and a half or whatever. You it was. wouldn't have won if it weren't for the flag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. So uh, I have to say that most of the people were not Miami fans because there aren't any. Uh, but most of the people <laughs> were all dead now. Yeah, a lot of them were were neutral party folks, and they would come up to me after the game and said. You know, you were right about their defense. That was a heck of an effort. Oh, my God. That's one of the most brutal games I've ever watched in my entire life. Like, that, oof, the hits in that game were, were sick. Um, yeah, so, but I, I know what you're saying. And, like, being the underdogs, you know, you're motivated by the haters, right? Like, right. that's, that's it's, not a, it's not a bad position to be in. So, if anything, I'm giving them a little extra juice. I think that'll do it. And, you know, again, I, we're going to talk to our uh, guest here, uh, our very own Tim. Uh, Shoemaker from uh, 11 Warriors, our beat writer. Um, but uh, we'll get a little more insight on the game coming up. Again, not super optimistic, but it's going to be a lot of fun, and I'm really excited to see how this team responds. Yeah, I think the team has a, a chance to win the game. I, I personally think the game being in the East Lansing makes it a tough ask, but it's right. it's there. If Ohio State plays as well as it can, it can certainly win that game. All right, joining us tonight is 11 Warriors' very own Tim Shoemaker. Yay! Tim. Uh, how are you doing tonight, man? Hey, how you guys doing? I'm doing fine. Doing well. How are you? Uh, we're very happy to have you on. Uh, we have lots of questions for you this week because this is a very important week. And as someone who's tapped into the program as you are, like we really need to get like the inside info that we're, our, our dozens of listeners are salivating over. Um, dozens so, of listeners. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> including our uh, our friends and family mate, or uh, you know parents and like that. Um, so Tim, here's my first question to you: what What's the general attitude of the team going into this? Because they are underdogs, right? So is that affecting where their heads are at at all? Um, you know, I don't I don't think so. I think they're uh, they're pretty set on and focused on on what what they they need to get done. I think they know the task at hand, and uh, you know, talking to players on, on Monday, they were kind of. A few of them were embracing the underdog role, but they know that Josh Perry called them called Michigan State a, a nameless, faceless opponent, just like every other opponent they play. And other players, <laughs> like Taylor Decker, said he, he's never going to feel like an underdog at Ohio State. So, so I think while, while technically they may be an underdog, uh, I don't know that they necessarily feel like that. But that certainly might be something that uh, Urban Meyer w- would use as motivation uh, going into this game. So. I was really hoping you would just use the phrase like motivated by the haters, motivated by the haters. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's that's it. That's good to hear. I'm glad. I'm glad their confidence is up. I'm I'm glad they're uh, they're right high on this. Yeah, Tim, I'm yeah. glad you brought that up too because I, I I actually want to get into this a little bit. I I was thinking that here's an Ohio State team that's not used to being underdogs, and of course they lost the Big Ten championship game to this same team last year. I wondered mm-hmm. if they were feeling like you know, we don't really have anything to lose in this game. Maybe that'll allow them to play a lot looser this time around than, than last year with the national championship game appearance on the line. Yeah, I don't, I, 
I think I think so a little bit. Um, you know, like I said, I, I think that they know what's at stake here, and and they've mentioned that you know they know it's a big game, and and their their season even with the loss to Virginia Tech, you know, coming into this season, their 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 dreams and their they want to play for a Big Ten title, they want to play for a national title. It came down to this game, you know, and even with the loss to Virginia Tech, that's still that's still up in the air. You know, that's still a reachable goal. If they beat Michigan State, they'll likely be playing for a Big Ten championship. And if they win that game, you know, who knows five weeks from now what's going to happen. So uh, I think they'll go out there and they'll play loose. They'll play they'll play like like they've got nothing to lose. And I also think that um, having that experience a couple weeks ago uh, at Penn State could really help them uh, going into this road road atmosphere in East Lansing. I don't know that it's going to be quite as loud. Uh, as it isn't as it was in Happy Valley, because I'm not sure that that's, that's possible. Uh, but <laughs> I think that pulling that pulling that game out the the way that they did after you know looking like they were going to blow out Penn State at halftime and then just collapsing in the second half before uh, before being able to pull it out in overtime. I think that learning experience will really help them uh, on Saturday. Yeah, well, and that's and that's the thing I think. People are hopefully looking forward to one of the things that we were talking about before, um, you know, we called you up was we really like, and myself especially, I really want to make sure that like Tom Herman lets his freak flag fly on this thing mm-hmm. and does not like turtle up. Do you, what do you think the the coaches' approach to this is going to be? Are they going to try to play it safe like they've done in some of the big games in the past, or are they just going to like throw caution in the wind and start doing all the crazy crap that they, you know, they've always wanted to? Uh, if if they play it safe, I don't think they're going to be winning. So uh, yeah. they they need to they need to take risks and 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 be more aggressive. I think with the play calling, uh, I think a lot of the uh, the conservativeness that came with the Penn State game though had to do with with J T Barrett's injury. Uh, I don't think people realize how serious it was uh, playing with the sprained MCL. You know that's that's not something that's easy to do. And I think that as soon as they found out he was hurt, they really, really kind of tightened up and said, hey, Penn State can't move the ball on us at all. We don't need to be taking any chances. And it almost came back to bite them. Uh, but, right. but luckily for them, it didn't. Uh, but if they take that same conservative approach against Michigan State, uh, I don't see them. I don't see Ohio State winning that winning this game. But Tom Herman did say on Monday that he's going he's gonna to work harder if not as hard as he's ever worked before in his career uh, in preparation for this game. So uh, we'll see on Saturday what, what what kind of game plan they draw. Well, I, for one, am glad that Tom Herman's going to work hard this week. That, <laughs> yeah. that makes me feel better. Um, speaking of JT Barrett and, and his knee injury, uh, Tim, what are you hearing about JT's injury, what the status of it is? Obviously, he wasn't asked to do a lot of running against Illinois. Um, is this something where he's going to be comfortable – with his full range of abilities on Saturday night? Uh, I think he'll be a lot more comfortable than he was against Illinois. I think uh, he was somewhat limited against Illinois, but the fact that he was able to go out there and actually play and and play pretty well, I mean, he played decently uh, as well as he needed to to play against Illinois, and they got him out of the game, you know? So uh, I think with with a full week, uh, a full week off again in practice, he's not – you know, I don't think he's going as hard uh, as he normally would. I think they're being careful with him, but I think he'll be back to his his full self come Saturday. So here's my question then: like, yeah. 
one of the things that I, I was kind of curious about was another playmaker, and and we've talked about uh, Jalen Marshall a little bit as well. Is, is his increased, I guess, role in the offense a function of maybe a decreased confidence in Dontre Wilson, or is it they just kind of seeing what this guy can do? That's a good question. Um, I I think that they really like both both Dontre Wilson and Jalen Marshall. I think. I think Jalen Marshall has a has a bit of a uh, wider skill set. You know, the fact that he was a quarterback in high school and he can throw the ball, uh, but they're, they're they are very similar players. So it, it is hard to to utilize them because they, they both play the same role. Um, but I think Jalen Marshall is a guy who who has had an increased role in as the season's gone on, and Dontre's role has kind of stayed the same or even decreased a little bit. And I think that's probably because Jalen Marshall's played a little bit better, I think. Uh, but, you know, they're both they're both key playmakers for Ohio State's offense. There's no doubt about that. Tim, what do you think about Michigan State? Uh, they're coming in with a guy, Tony Lippett, who is just uh, having an all-conference year at wide receiver. He's got mm-hmm. nine of their 19 touchdown receptions, and uh, his pass reception total is more than the next three guys on Michigan State combined. How do you see mm-hmm. uh, Luke Fickle and Chris Ash handling him? Do you think Duran Grant's just going to be matched up on him all night, or, or, or what do you think is going to happen with Tony Lippett? Uh, I, I don't know uh, about the, the matchups, how they're going to do that. Uh, Duran Grant has said before that they they usually just stay on uh, on one side of the field, or they don't necessarily shadow a guy around. So we actually are supposed to talk to Duran Grant Wednesday night, so uh, I could probably – answer that question better after that, but I think they're going to try and be more aggressive on him. I, I think uh, press coverage for sure. You'll see a lot of that uh, and, and try and maybe make Michigan State, when they throw the ball, uh, throw it to somebody else and they, they might, you know, shadow, they might help whoever is covering uh, Tony Lippett one-on-one. They might they might have some help over the top of the safety or, or, or whatnot, but uh, I, I think we'll definitely try and make somebody else beat them in the passing game. Well, and here's okay. So here's the other thing that I kind of am thinking about in terms of the passing game. Um, Michigan State's offensive line has been pretty darn good this year. I think yeah. they've only allowed Connor Cook to be sacked like five times or something like that. Yeah. Is that going to be a a factor in this game, especially if the Ohio State defensive line can't get to him? Yeah, a huge factor. Uh, that's they're going to need to get pressure on Connor Cook, or it's going to be uh, it could be a long night for that secondary. Um, uh, I think Ohio State's defensive line has gotten a lot better in, in, in the last couple of weeks, and, and it's still a very strong unit. Uh, obviously, you know about Joey Bosa, who's probably the best defensive lineman in the country, and uh, Michael Bennett hasn't played up to Michael Bennett's level, I don't think, yet. Uh, but he, he mentioned uh, on Monday that he's actually been, been switching between nose guard and three technique, and that's kind of been like a, a difficult transition for him. Uh, but he's back at three technique now where he said he's more comfortable. And, uh, I, I think they've gotten strong play out of Steve Miller, actually, uh, over the last couple of weeks, too. So the front four is going to be a huge factor uh, in Ohio State's defense being able to, to stop Michigan State's offense because if you can get pressure, you know, with just sending four, it, it makes the it makes your playing defense a whole lot easier. Uh, but I, I expect them to blitz, too, some, and, and, and they'll send Darren Lee off the edge like they have all year, and he's – He's a pretty good blitzing linebacker, so that should that should 
help them get some extra pressure on Connor Cook. But but if they don't get pressure, uh, it's going to be a long night. Yeah, it's hard to pressure Connor Cook because they do so many different things with him. He's really good out of play action, and they roll him a lot, and they move the pocket and that kind of thing. And he's got a pretty quick release. So it's yeah. hard to, to keep from getting frustrated when you don't get to him. The I think one of the keys for me in this game, other than Ohio State's run defense against Michigan State's uh, rush offense, will be if guys can maintain their contain on those uh, on those bootleg action passes. And, and that's where a guy like Darren Lee could really clean up if he doesn't take the wrong angle to the quarterback. Yeah, absolutely. They're going to have to give him a bunch of different looks, too. Uh, I don't think – because Michigan State, like you said, is, is going to move the pocket. They're going to get the ball out quick. They're going to they're going to do a bunch of different things, and they have a really good player. Connor Cook's a really good quarterback too. So uh, they're definitely going to have to change up their their defensive looks, their blitzes, uh, how they want to, however they want to go after go after, and they're going to have to do it in different ways, and and that'll be a huge key to the game. Yeah, I, I think I think you guys are dead on. It's going to be really interesting to see how they kind of attack that and, and you know, mm-hmm. kind of solve that incredibly intricate puzzle that is a Michigan State offense. Um, uh, so, Tim, thank you for coming on and talking with us. We we want to keep you on, though. We're going to do something with you that we have never done uh, with oh. a guest before. We want to invite you to participate in our Ask Us Anything segment um, because, you know, I, I feel like we should have had you on a little earlier than we had. And I, I just, you know, I, I feel like this is a, a reward for a very, a, a very distinguished service with 11 Warriors. So, Michael, do you want to explain about how our, again, our several dozens of listeners can, can write in and ask us anything? Yeah, they can ask us anything by hitting us up on the Twitters or emailing us. Now, our, our Twitter handles, mine is 11W underscore Michael, and Johnny's is Johnny11W. And yes. uh, you can email us at our, our brand new email address, which is dubcast at 11warriors.com, D-U-B-C-A-S-T at 11warriors.com. Spell everything out, no no numbers. And uh, that's how they can ask us anything. We we like people to ask us about you know life, the universe, anything they want to know about, where they should have lunch, where they should get married or have their honeymoon what they should name their kids. I mean, we are experts, and we do this for a living. So uh, we are we've the people literally, that can help we've them. We've decided on someone's summer vacation before, so that was fun. Yeah. I enjoyed that. Yeah, I hope they enjoyed it. <laughs> I, we, never got, we never got a follow-up to that, so That's maybe right. they hated it. <laughs> so we do have a couple questions, and um, the first one comes from Jason Wyatt. He wants to know, what is Urban Meyer's favorite cereal? Okay, Tim. This is this is you're you're up first. So what is Urban Meyer's favorite cereal? What is your opinion on this? Uh, well, let me let me preface this by saying I have absolutely no idea. But if I had to pick, uh, <laughs> just just based on just based on conversations that you know we've had with Urban Meyer, he seems like he's a a cinnamon toast crunch guy. Ooh, okay, mm. I got you. Okay. Uh, Michael, what do you think? Well, first of all, I want to tell Tim, never admit your ignorance to anything <laughs> and ask us anything. It's important, That's right. it's important to maintain that, that, uh, era, uh, that era of being experts. Um, right. So I'm going to say, I don't know, I, I would say Urban Meyer is probably, he strikes me as a Wheaties kind of guy, like a, like, you know, that's the, 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 the breakfast cereal that you know breakfast of champions that kind of thing and urban meyer's a champion so he strikes me as a, as a wheaties person 
I think I think uh, pencil shavings and sawdust. I think that's pretty much it. Um, <laughs> I think I think that's I. You know, I think he's leaning more towards the the Mark D'Antonio breakfast than the you know like less Miles breakfast. So I, I'm thinking like something gritty and hard and like tasteless, like bran. I don't he know, eats, something like he that. eats other people. Yeah, right. I don't know. I think Mark D'Antonio probably Mark D'Antonio probably kills and and plucks and eats his own chicken every morning for breakfast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who doesn't? Uh, <laughs> okay, so that's uh, thanks, Jason Wyatt, for that uh, question. Now our next question, and we only have a couple this week. Um, this next one comes from Gregory Metz. He would like to know what would be a good location to build the first house of worship for. For our Lord and Savior Joey Bosa, I was thinking we could take over the mega church near Monroe, Ohio, and replace the huge statue with a shrugging Bosa. I've included a rough image for your convenience, and he actually did. He put a he put an image of the church with a giant shrugging uh, Bosa. And we will <laughs> put that in the dubcast post, so everyone can see that. So, Tim, what uh, what would be a good location to build the first house of worship for our Lord and Savior Joey Bosa? Oh man. Um... Well, you got to start somewhere, somewhere in Columbus, I would think, where, where the uh, where the celebration all all started. Um, I think you can you can put one right outside the horseshoe first, and then and then maybe uh, maybe move your way down to down to his hometown. Secondly, that that would be that'd be where I would it's go. Like the first okay. branch of the Church of Joey Bosa. <laughs> yeah, the mother. <laughs> no, I like that. I like that. Uh, Michael, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I was going to say that um, the only house of worship that matters is the horseshoe. So I think that's probably where it's got to be. It's got to be in the horseshoe. Yeah, I think I think that's pretty good. I will say this. So I'm from Middletown, right? So I'm actually – I'm from very, very close to that church uh, that uh, Mr. Metz is talking about. Um, it's no longer the Touchdown Jesus. It, it burnt down. It got hit by lightning. Um, and I think there's still a video on YouTube of all these like these Satanists going like yeah yeah burn. Um, now it's now it's like a buddy Jesus where they're basically like hugging or something. I don't know. It's weird. Um, I let's see where where would I put the such a monstrosity? Uh, I gotta tell you something. Southwestern Ohio is a really unique blend of just like rednecks and just tackiness that I think would fit in really well with her. But I actually like. When I first read the header of this, or I kind of read, like skimmed through it, I was seeing like International House of Pancakes or something. I don't really know why I thought that. Um, you were hungry. Yeah, I was. Well, you know, pancakes are good. Um, <laughs> I I would probably put it honestly. I want it someplace high up. I think it's got to be one of those things where like, you know, pilgrims have to brave like a treacherous mountain trip to to reach it. So I'm thinking like at the very top of like a secluded part of Pikes Peak. Or maybe like Denali or something like that, and then you'll just have like a Joey Bosa in monk's robes, like you know he's got his legs crossed and he's doing his meditation. When you walk in, he like just tackles you and then shrugs and then kicks you off the mountain or something. Like that. <laughs> so something very far away and secluded. That's that's what I'm thinking. Okay. So. okay. <laughs> <laughs> thought this through. I thought it through, yes. Michael. Well, yeah, you, you always you always do. You know, Johnny lives for ask us anything, so you know he he puts a lot of thought into all of these. Um, and, you know, we have a holdover question from last week. It got in too late to get on the dubcast. This one's also from Jason Wyatt. Uh, so Jason gets gets to double up his uh, Ask Us Anything questions, which is fine. We, we encourage that. Uh, Jason yes. wanted to know what is um, what is your favorite – sorry uh, 
Halloweenish song of all time. Mine is Werewolves of London. Better stay away from him. He'll rip your lungs out, Jim. I'd like to meet his tailor. Could just as easily be talking about Joey Bosa. So, uh, Tim, what's your favorite Halloweenish song of all time? Halloweenish song? I didn't even know they uh, yeah. made Halloweenish. Halloween, Halloween song. like Halloween, like what song? Like you know, Halloween like the themed Mask? type song. Yeah, like that. that. That'll work. I I I like that song. That's a good one to listen to. I, I jam after that around Halloween, I guess. So. Tim, I feel like you just uh, Tim, I feel like you took the low hanging fruit there. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I uh, <laughs> I don't know I don't know that I that I know too many Halloween songs to be honest with you. That's a real shame, Tim. I'm sorry to hear that. Um, next time um, we have you on the Dubcast, we expect uh, a wider um, range of of uh, knowledge on this topic. That's, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> you should come I, uh, prepared. Trivia. I failed. I failed miserably. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's all right. This is the first time we've ever done this, so we don't expect everyone to like nail the first. Guy. You, you know, we do this every week. This isn't for everyone. Yeah, this guys, isn't for beginners. Yeah, you guys are the experts on this. This is. I don't, I don't, I don't like having to go first. This is main bullcrap. Michael, what's your favorite Halloween song? Well, you know, Jason stole my thunder because obviously it's Werewolves of London. I mean, it's got werewolves in it. The guy's howling. I mean, Warren Zevon is cool as hell. So, I mean, yeah, Werewolves of London rocks. I really like Warren Zevon. He he was a legit artist. Um, His final album was really sad. Um, Yeah, he he was a really cool guy. I like like Werewolves of London. But I'm also a big fan of uh, One-Eyed, One-Horned, Flying Purple People Eater. Um, that's That's a pretty pretty classic one for me i like monster mash quite a bit because i just kind of imagine like bella lugosi and uh, marty feldman like just kind of boogieing down in a black and white like movie or something um let's see I can, i'm trying to think if there's anything else like i don't know maybe whatever that you know the the background music to the great pumpkin charlie brown was i actually played that for my sister oh Ghostbusters, duh, or Thriller. Come on, yeah. man. How, yeah, I don't know yeah. what's Thriller. Yeah. Um, that's a good one too. Yeah, Johnny that's still it. has his uh, his jacket, his red Michael Jackson zipper jacket. That's right. I'm wearing it right now. Uh, <laughs> I, I think you wore that to the uh, to the W, didn't you? I might have. Uh, yeah. I don't. Yeah, I was. Yeah, you know, I I do what I got to do to look cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Tim, thank you very much for coming on and enduring our insanity uh, slash inanity, I guess. Um, but seriously, thanks for coming on. Uh, you've, you've done a great job for the site. We really like. We were actually just talking about it uh, before we called you up. Like, we, we've gotten super lucky in the dudes that we have hired to, to help us out. So we really appreciate it, and we'll have to have you on again soon. Yeah, yeah, man, no problem. Uh, any, anytime you guys uh, want to hear my expertise, just, just give me a call. <laughs> <laughs> we will definitely do that. Thank you. Hey, thanks, Tim. All right, thanks, guys. All right, thanks again to Tim Shoemaker, Eleven Warriors' own Tim Shoemaker, for coming on and discussing all kinds of things because you guys write in the best stuff. And and seriously, like I know it's like kind of tongue in cheek, like oh this is silly. It is silly, but that's great. Like please continue to do so. And I want everybody who hears this to think of a question, come on something silly, come on something serious i don't care what it is just write in and talk to us because we really really appreciate that and we like it um okay but it, we're, we're approaching quickly the end of our our dubcast for tonight yes and michael i do have one final question for you that we can kind of you know talk about and ruminate on a little bit and that is this if you had to pick any ohio state player present past future uh <laughs> to be a 
candidate for the presidency of the United States, who would you pick and why? Spielman. Spielman, why? Spielman. Okay, so why? Because he's Chris freaking Spielman. <laughs> what, 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 what do you want me to say? I mean, do you need yeah. another excuse? I mean, do you need another reason? He's Chris effing Spielman. By the way, Michael, did you enjoy did you enjoy the the part in the game last weekend where like they were trying to rank the best Ohio State defensive players of all time and Spielman like it's just basically like just hopping around Spielman like he yeah. obviously is one of the top three but I thought it was really funny how they were just like oh Jack Tatum <laughs> well you know I, I, I that's great about Chris is that he he is a humble guy and he he. Is, he yeah. He kind of recused himself from that whole discussion, and he would obviously be most people's number one in that, that top three. Right. Uh, but you can't really argue with the three that he picked because Antoine Winfield is amazing. Um, yeah. And always always He's... was amazing. And, uh, you know, guys like – like the, who, who else did he say? Cousineau, I think, was one and yeah. Tatum. Yeah. Yeah, you can't really go wrong with those guys. Those are – Those, those are, are all good choices. Guys. Yeah. But, um, yeah, Spielman is – I mean, he's a smart, intelligent dude. He's, he's obviously – uh, very caring. Um, you know, obviously the the tragedy that befell his wife. He's gotten heavily involved in in fundraising and uh, charitable endeavors. Uh, you, you just just a smart guy, uh, a passionate guy. You can't really go wrong. He's my choice. I vote for Chris Spielman. I think I think that's good. I think uh, my name is Michael Citro, and I endorse this message. What, so what about you, Donnie? <laughs> what what who would you uh, want to uh, run for president? All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. All right. Who gets right, Johnny Michael. Ginder's boat? All right. Stay with me on this. Okay, uh, just stay this, with this me. This is going to be a long and winding road, isn't it? It's, it is, but just stay with me. <laughs> All right. Joe Bowserman. Okay. Now, now I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. Like, isn't Joe Bowserman, like, isn't he, like, lost in the wilds of Canada at this point in time with his forestry degree? Maybe. I don't know. But I got to tell you something. This is why I say Joe Bowserman is a dude. All right. So, Okay. I was talking about, you know, the presidency with my students last week, and we were going off about, you know, like what kind of person would be president and the kind of things that you need to do to be president and why is Obama getting all the heat for this when he didn't really have any impact on it and why do presidents get heat for things that they don't really have any control over? And I'm like, it's part of the job, kids. That's that's pretty much it. Now, Joe Bowserman was not a good Ohio State quarterback. I think no. we can all agree. Yes, we can um, except for like the, a brief two-game period, like at the beginning of one of he the seasons. He was awesome against Akron. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we both would have been awesome against Akron. Yeah. Um, okay, but he wasn't a good quarterback. Yeah. However, and and this is something that I do think that we shortchange uh, Joe Bowserman on, and and maybe we shouldn't. Is he handled being bad very well? Okay. All the crap that we gave him and that we continue to give him years after he even being in the program is to me at least somewhat impressive. You know what I'm saying? Like, I I appreciate that he didn't get angry. You never saw any kind of complaining to the press. You never saw any of that. He just was bad with grace. And as president... I don't know. He could be a great president. I don't know. By the way, he would also be our first bearded president, our first president with facial hair in quite some time. I believe the first since William Howard Taft, also an Ohio uh, boy. Um, <laughs> so there's that. But I also, you know, I just I appreciate someone who has grace under fire at, <laughs> and not the television show from the early 90s. 
Um, Who was that? And Brett so Butler? I, was that Brett Butler? Yeah, that was that was Brett. Oh Butler. my God, is she still alive? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, that was that was basically the ABC answer to to Roseanne, I think. Um, but anyway, my point is this: I think Joe Bowser would be an excellent president of the United States because he would be able to take all that heat and all that crap from Congress and all that crap from the people and all that crap from pundits, and he would be fine with it, and he would he would carry that weight on his not super broad shoulders and guide us through through this new 21st century. So that's that's he's my man. He's right? your man. He's okay. Um, counter argument. Okay. Things are going bad. You remember yeah. remember that Miami game where uh, sure. he was lift, lifted from the game and uh, Miami had a two touchdown lead and he was seen on the sidelines laughing. Yeah. Uh, is that a good look for a leader? I mean, is is it going to be like okay, there's bombing going on in Syria, and then they cut to the president Bowserman and he's laughing on camera? I mean, it, it keeps people look. Hey, people still love Ronald Reagan. He's the guy who said that we commenced bombing in five minutes, right? Like they outlawed the Soviet Union at the height of the Cold War. Nobody's holding that against that dude. What? So I'm just saying. All right, but if Joe Bowserman goes to bomb Syria, would he miss and hit like India? <laughs> That's the risk you have to take, Michael. <laughs> That's the risk that we have to take. No, right? no, we don't have to take that risk. Spielman for president. <laughs> all right. Well, regardless, uh, I hope all of you listening within the sound of our voices uh, voted um, yesterday. So I guess today, but yesterday. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's your civic duty as an American. I hope you all participate in it. I hope your candidates all won, even the guys who were running against each other, um, you know, so that's that's a beautiful thing. So I, I like that kind of integration between sports, culture, politics. It's it's it kind of warms the cockles of my heart as a social studies teacher. So I don't know. Maybe you guys should send in your own preferences for uh, you know, for who you think should be president uh, in terms of high state football players or coaches for that matter. By the way, I would not vote for Woody Hayes, but I might vote for Earl Bruce. So let's 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 get on that. Let's have a conversation. All right, anyway, thanks again to Tim Shoemaker. Uh, we will uh, see you guys after the Michigan State game. Hopefully we'll be in a good mood and not a bad mood, but we shall see. Uh, but anyway, for now, I'm John Ginner. I'm Michael Citro. And we'll see you next week. Peace. Peace.